How's everybody doing? I'll tell you, I've been, my dad told me about a month ago I'd be speaking this morning, and man, I wish he would have told me like he did last time, only gave me four days notice, because my whole month has been, just been wrecked, you know, since, I don't know why I get so nervous, because I teach Sunday school, but this is my third time speaking in a, in a congregation, and it, it's a different, it's a different type feel, you know, I can't really explain it, but, but this morning I want to talk to you about, is Jesus calling you? I want you to think about that. And it's kind of weird because every time I set out to do a lesson like this, it seems like God puts me in a certain place or um, around certain people that sort of relates to the message that I'm going to be sharing. And we were recently in, in Panama City, Florida, and uh, we went and chartered a boat in, out of Destin, actually. And uh, I'm kind of like a big kid when it comes to fishing. We, we actually showed up, and um, I, I wanted to get to know the, the captain pretty well. And it was really neat because his name was actually Judah. And, uh, but the whole time we were fishing, I kept calling him Jonah. You know, and I don't know. I mean, I guess I just had catching big fish on the mind. I don't know. But, but I did that the entire time. But it was really cool because he... This guy, he was, he was unique because he flew a Christian flag on his boat, which I thought was pretty, pretty, pretty neat, you know. And then considering his name as well. And the name of the boat was named after his, his daughter, which was Stella, which is the same name as, you know, my brother's daughter. And uh, so I thought that was kind of cool. It was almost like, and I must say, too, that we caught the most fish. It was kind of cool because everyone came back at the same time. We just did a half-day trip. Um, we're all in the ministry, you know, we can't afford the full day trip, our family. But we went out just for half day, chartered that boat, and we came back, and we caught the most fish. And uh, it was really neat. And on the way out, I was asking him, I said, hey, Jonah, I said, uh, how much, uh, uh, what, how far out are we going to go? You know, I was, I was like a kid, you know, asking him a bunch of questions. How long is it going to take before we get there? And little did I know, out of Destin, it's really neat. You can actually, you just get just outside the no-wake zone, and you can catch, you know, king mackerel, shark. It was really cool, which kind of proved my theory on do dolphins really scare shark away? You know, I used to always think that, and I'd tell the kids that in, in the ocean. I'd say, don't worry, there's a dolphin. There, there's no sharks around. We were actually literally reeling up shark um, in a school of dolphins. So I was like, well, I need to rethink that because, you know, start... Uh, be a little, I need to be a little more learned when it comes to the sea and stuff when our kids are out playing in the ocean. But one thing I thought about when we, were, when we first got there, and I, I was thinking about this story and this message, and if you want to go ahead and turn there, it's Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. If you can uh, turn there real fast, we'll read it in a second. But I thought about the four men that Jesus called, and... I also thought it was kind of interesting, I was telling my wife yesterday, that Jesus liked to go to the beach. You know, I hear a lot of people that say, well, if you go to the beach, you're going to hell because, you know, there's just a bunch of hellions there. And I, I don't think that Jesus went to spring bling or spring break or anything like that. I think he just went to the beach to just look for certain people that he was going to talk to. And we see that in this story. But... uh Sometimes we get caught up in the in uh, in weird church theology, in that 
we think these things we can't participate in, but Jesus went certain places and spoke to certain people that a lot of us today would say we would avoid, you know, and we wouldn't go. We wouldn't go talk with that person because of this or that. And we just need to be very careful about that and, and um, how we minister to people. It is, it is important. But uh, go ahead and turn there. Let me, let me turn to Mark chapter 1, verse 16. Let's read this story real quick. Mark 1, 16 through 20. It says, One day, as Jesus was walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew fishing with a net. For they, were, for they were commercial fishermen. Jesus called out to them, Come, be my disciples, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and went with him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat mending their nets. He called them too, and immediately they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with their hired men and went with him. So I think it's important that we see when we read these verses, and I want to cover here in just a moment a few characteristics of the Lord's call in our life. But this morning as we go through this and we, and we look at these characteristics, I want you to understand that um, these men depended on uh, the catch, or a lot of people depended on their catch. These men were important. These men had important jobs. Some would say that maybe even Caesar himself at that time would have eaten the very fish that they caught. And it was very similar to where when we fished out of Destin, a lot of the restaurants there locally depended on what those men did. And it was very important. But we see that um, his call to these four men, we're going to see in a minute, would forever change their lives. Peter, Andrew, James, and John were the men mentioned in the text. But I want us to... As we go through these characteristics, I want you to first of all be thinking, is Jesus calling you to salvation this morning? Or he very well could be just calling you to a more intimate and deep level of service. And I hope that's what you get out of the, out of the message this morning. Well, we've got several verses we're going to go to. But first thing I want you to see, his first characteristic that this lesson points out is his call is, is personal. His call is very personal. He walked up to those boats, and he talked to those four men specifically. I think it's important that we see that. The call of the Lord is an intensely personal matter. And I like these two next points because it talks about how Peter and Andrew were casting their nets when Jesus walked up and approached them. They were casting their nets so that it could have been that they were maybe busy with evangelism. And uh, we're going to also see that Jesus had already um, spoke to these men, and these men were already, had already accepted him. Um, so he was dealing with a level of service in, in these scriptures specifically. But they were, those two were caught up in evangelism, and James and John, they were spending time mending the gospel um, or, or mending their nets. And I think it's important that we see that both of these two scenarios are desperately needed in the church. You know, I've been a preacher's kid a long time, been in church a long time, and I think sometimes we do a good job at inviting people to come to church. But we can sometimes do a terrible job when it comes to mending relationships, keeping those people. In Ephesians 4, 12, it talks, it, the word mending uh, is translated there as perfecting. You know, I think we do a terrible job sometimes when we 
um, when it boils down to perfecting who we are in Christ and who uh, we are as a church. And I've seen a lot of people, it's interesting because now with social media, you can kind of keep up with what people are doing. And it's sad. It breaks my heart to see people who were once here serving and and working and and living for Christ and they they've taken a detour and now they're out in the world and they're stuck and they're they're stuck in darkness and and it's sad that we we condemn people like that instead of go to them and try to restore that person and I think it's important that we see that and that we do that um I was listening to this is such a simple thing and it's kind of silly but we were on our way back from my mother-in-law's last night, and I heard this little statement out of, how many of you ever know who Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are? Well, the man Splinter, or no, it's not a man, what is it, a rat? The rat Splinter said, I was a movie in the background of the, of the car, it said, when your brother is weak, that's when you need to be strong. And it's such a simple quote, but when our brothers and sisters are weak, we slam them. Instead of go to them and help them. And it's important that we see that. We can't do that. We can't be that way. And Jesus, when he went to these four men and he called them, you know, he didn't. I was thinking in the back, I was looking, I was like, I stand before you this morning, uneducated, little experience, but I'm just available. And a lot of you may think that since my dad's a pastor, that I just, this just comes natural, but it doesn't. There's a lot of pressure. Satan will just, Satan just defeats me mentally. But I just want to be available to you. Because if you're available... God will work. He'll begin to work. He'll begin to educate you. No pastor that ever set out to preach his first sermon, no great leader started that way. But, so his call is very personal when he speaks to us. You know, if you want the Lord to use you, you've got to be busy where you are today. A lot of people want what they don't have, but they're not willing to work to get where they want to be. And I see that problem with society today is that people want this instant gratification and it just doesn't work that way. And usually when you receive it that way, you don't appreciate it. But the church today, I see people who are really busy and they're serving in areas that they shouldn't be because no one else is there to do it. And it's kind of funny, I wrote down, it's kind of like a Mr. Potato Head look, you know, and it's kind of funny, it's kind of interesting, but there's, you know, the feet are coming out where the ears should be coming out, and the eyeballs are where the feet should be, or, and, and the church looks dysfunctional today because there are people in the pews that God wants to use, God desperately wants to use. And many of you in here are teachers. Many of you in here have preached the gospel. Many of you in here have served in Sunday school. Many of you in here used to go out witnessing. And many of you in here used to 
just be an encourager, but now you're just, you've, you've taken on more of a negative role. And a, uh, you're more discouraging now than anything. You're more discouraged now than anything. I just pray that God will begin to change you and change your heart. And I can tell you, all you have to do is be available. You just have to... I had, a, I had a buddy of mine call me yesterday. And I'm way off my notes, by the way. I have no idea where I'm at. But a buddy of mine called me yesterday. And he said, Josh, he said, I don't even, I don't even feel like I believe in God anymore. And I tried to explain. I mean, this is a close friend. And when I see Satan controlling his life, and I see him, all he is is in darkness. You know, he's in darkness. He cannot see. And when God shows you, just through reading his word and prayer, and just being available, God will show you the next step, the steps that you need to take. But it broke my heart yesterday. It's been on my mind because I know he knows better. But he's just allowed himself to be overtaken by the world. And he, he was telling me he's, he's angry about um, this thing about that all the stuff that's going on now with this silliness that's going on with the, um, the flags and things like that and, the, and homosexual. But you know what? When Jesus came to this earth, this earth was corrupt when he came. There's nothing new. You know, we're just getting wrapped up in media, wrapped up in social media. And it means absolutely nothing. What matters is that you and God draw close to one another. And if you're not, I'm telling you, the times ahead, the judgment that is coming, if you neglect Him, then you will begin to see like my friend. You'll be just trapped in darkness. And that's not what Jesus wants. That's not what Jesus called us to do. As I said before, this second encounter was, this was their second encounter. Jesus had already reached these men in John chapter 1, 35 through 42. But you know, if you're here this morning, the most important decision that you'll make is salvation, is accepting Christ. That's the most important decision you'll make. You can't even get started serving God and get started doing what God's called you to do until you make that decision. The second characteristic I want to show you, or I want to speak about this morning, is that his call is, is private. You know, the real call was felt in the hearts of the four men who left all to follow him. You know, when God begins to deal with you in your heart, you're going to have mixed emotions. You're going to have, um, like I was telling you before, you know, Satan is trying to discourage me. He's trying to make me feel unworthy and that I can't do it. I can't do what God wants me to do. But I'm, I'm, I'm literally to the point and place in my life that no matter what, I'm willing to serve God. No, there's not a job, there's not a person, there's not a thing, a hobby that's going to stand in the way of what God's trying to do in my life. And that's the place we have to we have to get before we can hear God and He begin to speak to us. You know, a lot of us just fly in and out of church, and I can tell you, if that's all you're doing, you're going to eventually be like one of these people I see on social media, lost in the world. You've got to get plugged in. You've got to get involved in a Bible study. And uh, you've got to be 
Um, just, just begin to let God change you and change your heart and who you are in Him. The third characteristic is that eventually when He calls you private, His call becomes public. You know, God did not save us and call us so that we could hide ourselves away and pretend that we are just like everyone else. His call demands that we take our stand with Him, regardless of what others may say about us. I want to read Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16. Listen to these verses, if you want to go ahead and turn there. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. You know, eventually we have to take our relationship to the streets. Eventually we have to, our call will begin to become public, you know, and we have to, we're faced with things that hit us every day. And how we handle those things, like I was telling my friend, how you are raising your kids now, now that you're on this major detour, will affect your kids. You are affecting others around you. And how we handle certain situations, believe me, our kids see um, I had a, this is kind of a funny situation that happened, but this week at camp, well, Bailey comes home and tells me, says, um, you know, Dad, I had a, I got into an altercation today. I was like, okay. I was like, well, she said, yeah, well, this guy and I were in line, and this particular guy, she said, he's a, he's a mean kid. He's a bad kid. Well, he was arguing with me, and then he put his hands on me and hit me. And I was like, well, really? You know, and then my blood's boiling a little bit. And then he said, but don't worry, though, because my other friend, Austin, him and I, well, we're, we're just friends now, Daddy. You know, we, we used to not be friends, but we're just friends now. And, but Austin came in and, and tackled him and body slammed him. She said, but I took a swing at him, but I missed him. <laughs> And Austin came in and tackled him. Well, I was, a little, I was a little aggravated at Austin, too, because I'm her hero. You know what I'm saying? Who's this Austin guy that thinks he can come in? I want to go and tackle that other kid, not Austin. So, but we're faced with these little silly things, and then we're faced with some really big things. And without the instruction of God, you know, we're gonna, we can make some really stupid decisions. Um. If the Lord has saved you and you have never made that fact public, why not? You know, it's important that not to be ashamed of who God is in the gospel. Many of you in here are that you've accepted Christ and you have not followed Him in believer's baptism. That's a very important event and it's encouraging to those other people that I love it when somebody comes through the baptismal waters that most people are blown away and they're like, man, I never would have thought in a million years that I would see this person in a baptismal pool. You know, and I, I love to see that. But I also love to see those who do the best they can and accept Christ. 
and, and also um, are baptized. It's, there's no, one's not more important than the other, you know, they're both extremely important. It's a public confession, you know, and then the, the next point is his call is very precious. They were just, they were just common Ordinary fishermen, not highly educated, as I said before. Um, I, I'm not educated to do, to do this. I have no clue what I'm doing, honestly. Uh, if I just had to be transparent with you. But I think it's so cool that God doesn't just reach poor people or average people or just rich people. God reaches all kinds of people. And I was watching, we were in, when we were in Panama City, I thought it was pretty neat that... Uh, I was watching a, a pastor, and he was interviewing Steve Harvey. And it was just late, and I was just flipping through the channels, and Steve Harvey was on TV just bawling, kind of like I'm doing. And it was because God had, had begun to do a work in his life, and he was, just, he was just lost. See, he knew his entertainment world. He knew um, how to make people laugh. He knew how to make a lot of money. But guess what? That big house didn't provide him a solution what was going on with his heart. That big car, that big, that big job, that money in the bank, it doesn't provide us what we need as people to uh, make us feel significant in this life. Only Jesus can do that. And he's finding that. He's learning that. But it's tough because he feels lonely because in that business, in the business that we entertain ourselves with, there's not a lot of people that are living for Christ. So he feels lonely. So, and there's people like that that we need to be praying for because they can make a huge impact in the position that they're in. But uh, I think it's interesting when we look at different folks in the, in the Bible, you know, we see that God chose David over his older brother and you know, over his larger brothers. He chose Moses at the ripe old age of 80. And see, a lot of us get caught up in age or we're too young, we're too old. That's all Satan. That's all that is. It's Satan discouraging us from doing God's work. He chose Abraham from all the thousands of people. He chose Paul who hated, and this is what I told my, my friend the other day. You know, he cho chose Paul who hated the church and Jesus Christ. And he chose a small boy um, and his lunch to feed a multitude. In 1 Corinthians 1.27, it says, Instead, God chose things that the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. And in 2 Corinthians 4.7, it says, We have now, or excuse me, it says, We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This is clear to our great power, or excuse me, this makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. The only reason I'm standing up here today, and in my mind, you know, I, I'm like, please call someone else. Me, call someone else. Don't, don't ask me to do that because it's tough. It's not easy. But... Only God can make it um, easier. It's still not easy. But only God can, can call us and to speak to us and to begin to do these things that He wants us to do with our lives. It says, um, when we clean out, I think about when we clean out stuff in our house, it has 
little to no value. When you go through spring cleaning or when you go through, um, whenever you do your, your cleaning out, take stuff to the thrift store, take stuff to Goodwill. Hope you take it to the thrift store, not Goodwill. But uh, it has little to no value, you know. But one thing that I can, I can promise you, when you begin to allow God to work in your heart and when He, he begins to call you um, personally, and privately and then publicly, it has a lot of value to it, you know. And I get so discouraged when I see others, man. They want to they wanna chase kind of like, they want to chase kind of what Steve Harvey has, but what he has obtained has left him empty, you know. And I don't understand why, we, why we're backwards in our thinking. You know, what we have is so precious in Christ. And this other stuff, it, it matters not. It really doesn't. Um, but it, it's it's weird the way our minds think. But um, this this next point is what usually causes us to um, not be used by God. And it, the point is, is his call was pricey. It says they were called upon to leave their friends, their family, and their fortune. Basically the only life they had ever known. Could you imagine what they were going through? Turn with me well, to Mark 8, 36-37. It says, And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? It's a very familiar verse. Is anything worth more than your soul? Verse 38, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, that sounds like today, doesn't it? The Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. You know, there will be those that will not understand what is going on in your life when God begins to, to call you. You're going to do things that are opposite of the way the world thinks. I'm going to read some verses here in a second. But as we read these verses, I want us to examine us because a lot of us as Christians are condemning other Christians for expressing themselves in the way that they feel they need to express themselves. A lot of people that get saved, they don't have it all figured out like many in the church today seem to have it figured out. But listen to Matthew 10, 34 through 39. It says, Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. How many of you have experienced that? God has worked in your life and has called you. And you're, the people who you would think would support you the most are your enemies when it comes to that. It says, if your love for your father or mother, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. You see, we 
sometimes Christians are their own enemies when it comes to the way we treat each other. As I said before, you know, we need to, when our, when our brother is weak, that's when we need to be strong for them so that we can conquer. And um, through that situation, not just let people leave and come in and go in this church, but reach out to them and be there for them. Because we're all, that's the thing, we're all going to go through weak moments in our Christian walk. And it's important that we stand strong with our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, if anyone ever tells you that serving the Lord is an easy road, they are lying to you because it's tough. It's tough. I, I mean, I can't say enough of how difficult this is for me to just stand before you and speak. A lot of you may think it, it comes easy, but it doesn't. And the, and the next point I want to talk about is his call is powerful. When the Lord's call came, these men left their nets, their profession, without question. You know, when God begins to speak to you, be careful who you reach out to to get godly counsel from. Because there's people that have discouraged me to say, man, there's no way God would call you to do something when He's already, it, it appears He's already blessed you in so many other ways. You know, is, is that good counsel? I mean, is, is, you know, because remember I said God's call is personal. You know, I think it's important that we, we consult with other people, but we just need to be careful. Because when Jesus called these four men, they didn't have a big committee meeting. They didn't run and talk to everyone in their family. God had already been dealing with these people. God had already been dealing with their heart, and not everyone's going to understand that. As we read in Matthew 10, 34, a lot of people will become your enemy because of it. And it says, as when they started out after Jesus, they began walking His direction to His destination at His speed and in His steps. And they took immediate action. They took immediate action. When are you going to take action, either when it comes to your salvation or when it comes to your service? When are you going to do it? Because there is absolutely nothing out there that should be more important than your call in, into one of those two areas. Nothing. I mean, what really matters more than that? When it comes to His call, when His call comes, you can expect some changes to take place. You might think the Lord can't use you as you are right now. and you're, You know, you may be right. But as God begins to work on your heart and begins to transform you into what He wants you to be, you better believe He can use you. And just as I said before, these four men were called. They were just ordinary people. And I think a lot of times we talk ourselves out of God doing God's work because we don't think that we're, we're good enough. We don't think we can do it. Um, and God's saying right there, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So I want you to just bow your head and close your eyes for a minute, if you would, please, as the 